Are you thinking about the administrative support that's needed to keep a primary care team running smoothly? Are you wondering what MOAs do and how to better support MOA engagement in team-based primary care? Yeah, me too. Welcome to Team Up, a podcast where we talk about team-based primary care in British Columbia. I'm Sarah, a medical anthropologist and team member in the Innovation Support Unit in the Department of Family Practice at the University of British Columbia. And I'm Morgan, a family doctor and also a team member in the Innovation Support Unit. When you walk into a primary care clinic, who's the first person you see? Often, it's the medical office assistant. That's right. So today we're going to talk about the MOA and their role in primary care teams. And they play such a central role in, in nearly every team, you know, big, big or small. And I think MOA roles get more important as a primary care team grows. In the office, everything flows through that MOA role. So when I'm in my MOA role, I am mostly doing reception, front desk, navigating patients, helping connect them with the appropriate resources, scheduling, answering questions, etc. That was Ava Mundy, and Ava is a bit unique. She's a part-time MOA and a part-time PSP coach. So in our conversation, which we'll hear snippets from throughout this episode, she really focused on the range of roles that MOAs can take on in a team, as well as her own experiences. So Sarah, before we dive in, let's summarize some of the things that MOAs do. Um, I mean, we've already mentioned they're the first point of contact for patients, both on the phone, but also in the office. And so with that, they often set the tone of the clinic and the team. And that idea of setting the team culture, setting the tone is just so important. I know one of the clinics we worked in recently, we went in and the, the whole office was like super decorated, I think for Valentine's Day. And the providers were talking about how great it was to come in in the morning and there'd been this change overnight that they didn't know was going to happen and the MOAs were in the corner laughing about it. But those kind of things are just so important. And you know, while they're setting that culture, they're also managing the capacity of a team at any given time. Yeah, and any MOA will tell you the changing capacity of the team as we change our schedules and suddenly we have to adjust because of a meeting or we're not available for a half day. There's a lot of management there. And they also, beyond that, though, can take on some clinical support roles. They can room patients. They can take some initial histories and screenings with some tools and take some vitals. So a lot that they can do that way as well. And really, I think we, we heard this a number of times as we've been talking to different people in different roles across teams, is MOAs are often the glue that holds a lot of clinical teams together. It can be really easy to think about the MOA role in a little bit of a limited way. In what's really historically a very hierarchical system, I feel like the role of the medical office assistant often gets overlooked. Which is a shame because they are so important. And we think about the tone or seeing patients before or after an encounter with the provider. But as you move into a team, the MOAs more and more become the glue across the team as well. And we are, as providers, often going into rooms and working one-on-one with a patient. But the MOAs are out and about between the encounters and are able to talk to different members of the team when they're between other encounters, so that they'll be able to connect. This has happened for me many times. I'll be flagged that one of my patients is seeing a nurse down the hallway, and I didn't realize they were even in the schedule, but it's an opportunity for me then to pop in and say hello. And it's a huge piece of maintaining a relationship with a patient, not to provide any additional medical care, but just to be connected in. And that kind of 
sixth sense awareness of how the team is working and where people are and where patients are is one of those really important parts that the MOA does. And it changes a lot when you have a team. Well, and I know that I've already shared a number of stories of my own experiences with my MOA. I walk in, she knows my kids. She's known them from the day they were born. They're now seven and 10. She knows that they're on baseball teams. And I love visiting with her before my appointments. You know, it's really interesting because when I think about my own perspective of the role of an MOA, you know, before getting into all this work, fairly limited. But whenever you talk to a provider, I think mm -hmm. uh, they're really quick to emphasize the value that the MOA adds to the team. So maybe it's my kind of outsider hat here that I lean toward this idea of MOAs being undervalued. But I think also they get left out of decision-making tables a lot of times. Which is a shame because for all the reasons that we've talked about already, they really do need to be there. They are part of the team. And, you know, we've seen that a couple of times where we plan to do some team building and the MOAs aren't invited to the table to have the conversation. And it's just such a shame. So we try to always advocate for that. It's interesting as a patient, you see the front facing part of the MOA's job, but there's so much more that an MOA does in the office. And I think it's important if there's any patients listening to this, just to help understand the general scope is a lot broader for an office assistant than just being on the phone or being in the front desk. Although that's a part of it, and that may be a part of one or two people's jobs, there's a lot more that the assistants do across the clinic. And we connected with Shania, an MOA who works in a larger team practice with a number of MOAs who work together to support the clinic. And she gave us a great explanation of how their team works and sort of divides up those roles. Oh my goodness, we do lots. So we also do the cleaning of the instruments. We stock up the rooms every day. I think at least once a month, we do like a big deep clean of those rooms. We're pretty much hands-on for that doctor whenever they need it. We have to call the lab for health records or we have to fax off for consults. We follow up and go through the consultation lists. We're constantly updating lists. So working as a team to ensure that the day-to-day -day tasks get done in appropriate time frames, right? So I like how Shania's clinic has set up the team of MOAs with a bunch of different stations with different areas of focus. I think that keeps the interest in the different parts of the work high. And for them on different days, they fill different aspects of the whole role. Inner clinic stations one and two are the front. And that's the first point of contact with patients. That's rooming patients and stuff like that. And then station two also gets to do things like managing the dreaded fax machine. Because <laughs> even though it's 2023, faxing is still a thing. Hey, Ontario's got a five-year plan to reduce the number of faxes. But also for Shania, they've got stations three and four, which focus more on dealing with patients over the phone, managing the records and things like that. And we do something similar at our community health center. A slightly different breakdown, but then there's some that, that manage a lot of the referrals as a focus. And they get to know all the other offices and the wait times and who to talk to and how to get people in quicker when they need to and all that sort of thing. So there's a lot of relationship building in the community that MOAs do with other clinics. You know, it's pretty common in larger clinics to see sort of a division of MOA roles into front of house, back of house. But it also might be a really interesting thing for smaller teams to think about, even if you just have one person filling the MOA role. I think that can be an interesting way to get people thinking about how the team could work differently. Yeah, Sarah, I think that's important because it surfaces a lot of the work. And if you're thinking of changing your team, growing it, moving into another location, that's an opportunity to then think about how do those tasks get divided up? And there might be a much more efficient or 
sustainable or you know better way of working when there's two people and you're not all doing the same things. Experienced teams can do that really well. Often, I think people just feel that MOAs are just there to help the doctor, but not really like realize like we're alongside them like every step of the way. Like everything that you're feeling, we communicate that with your physician. We are part of that team. You're the doctor's patients, but you're also our patients, so you're important to us as well. That's why we're part of the team. And I think as the first point of contact, MOAs also hold a lot of the relationship with patients. The medical office assistant, she knows me by name. She's always got a happy tone in her voice. I feel that she's my advocate within the healthcare team. Carolyn Canfield, our patient advocate and ISU scholar, often highlights the role of the MOA as the first point of contact and that holder of relationship. The MOA also has insights into a patient's life. After speaking with Carolyn, I started thinking about the role of the MOA as the culture curator or connector, which is something that I hadn't thought about before. Yeah, I think MOAs, as you have that relationship with a patient, you can really help promote the new members of the team. As a physician, I'll do that too, but something very different when you're the patient sitting in the waiting room and the team at the front go, oh, that's so good you're going to be able to see the social worker today. I don't know if I put enough emphasis on that relationship with MOAs, and I don't think it gets talked about enough when we talk about primary care networks, but those MOAs are, not only are they essential to the functioning of a family practice, but... They are like the lifeblood, right? The MOAs build the culture of that clinic, both physically by how they decorate it, socially by their personalities, but they also have their finger on the pulse of which patients are the most in need, and they get to know those patients really well. And there's no way that I could do this job without having been accepted by the MOA team. If they didn't want me here, it would never work. That was Casey LaViolette. And Morgan, this was fun. We had the opportunity to speak with Casey, a social worker, as well as Ava Mundy, who I introduced earlier. And Casey and Ava work together, an integrated team with Casey as a social worker. And then with Ava's coaching hat, she was really involved in integrating Casey into their primary care network. And without kind of any sort of prompting, they both spoke to the value of each other's roles on the team. We knew it was really important to give the physicians an opportunity to ask questions before they started sending referrals to him and knew it was also really important for him to have the opportunity to share with them his understanding of his role and scope. So we did schedule a Zoom meeting where he was able to talk about his role and what the referral process was going to look like and give the physicians the opportunity to ask any questions. Ava also talked about the creation of charting templates and figuring out how the different kinds of providers wanted to communicate with each other. And with the new additions of the team, this is really important. And it's a great example of the kind of things that MOAs can often take on to help the team work better together. The emphasis that was placed on MOAs as problem solvers was something that I'd maybe spent less time thinking about, problem solving for both patients and for other providers on the team. It's constant. There's always something to work on. My job sometimes 
involves a lot of mystery solving, <laughs> a lot of investigating. I think people don't realize how often calls come in from patients asking questions about something unrelated to the clinic functions or asking a very, very open-ended question where they don't really know what they're looking for. I mean, also just knowing the other resources in the community, who to connect with. And I think that becomes a really important piece because patients may not share with a provider, but will disclose something in the waiting room before or after a visit. And a more casual suggestion might be heard and people can connect to other community resources. It can be really impactful for patients and patient care when we do know about other programs and resources in the community. For example, volunteer drivers or art programs or hiking groups or those kinds of things that aren't medical care, but that can be really impactful. One thing the MOAs have is a really good handle on the capacity of the clinic at any given time. They're seeing who's running too fast, how full the waiting room is, how many phone calls are coming in. And a lot of that input into the clinic isn't always felt by the providers because once your day sheet is full, it's full. And you'll hear a little bit about, oh, well, you know, it took me forever to get in to see you. But you don't have that immediate sense of how the team is working together or not and how much demand is coming through the phones and such. And, you know, one of the things I think that Ava highlighted as well as, as Shania was the ability to kind of juggle things and squeeze people in when they really needed to see somebody. She, you know, she gave a great example of someone calling at the end of the day, being able to move somebody around and really feeling that sense of accomplishment when you're able to get a patient seen. Being able to either go a little bit above and beyond, that feels really good when it would have been easier and simpler to say, sorry, we're full for today. So it, it does feel good when I'm able to really help smooth that transition and help navigate patients and help them access resources that they need. Across all the team members we connected with, the MOA role was something that almost everyone returned to when we asked about, tell me a story about how another role really has supported your team. Those stories just kept coming out again and again. In preparation for this season, I had the chance to connect with three nurse practitioners in kind of a panel-style conversation. Primary care can be incredibly chaotic. And at the opposite end of the spectrum from chaos is structure. And MOAs create a lot of the structure that can create a day that actually flows and is safer for everybody just by the way they're booking the appointments in, managing the scheduling, triaging the phone mm -hmm. call. So I think that MOA practice directly informs quality of care and safety of care. And MOAs can also increase the level of caring in the clinic and really impact the culture because they touch and interface with everyone. And some of the MOAs that I've worked with in busy clinics add so much to the resilience of the team. Eliza Henshaw is one of those NPs. And the relationship that Eliza highlights here between managing clinic capacity and supporting quality and safety is something that I think often gets overlooked. That's so true. And, you know, in the same conversation, Aaron 
talked about kind of the three MOAs that she works with in her clinic as, as really the backbone of primary care. A another kind of interesting way to frame the MOA role and then the medical anthropologist in me got excited and started thinking about mapping out all the roles onto a body and like who would fit into what parts and what would this look like. But uh, I won't go down this rabbit hole now. Beyond sort of this first put of contact and advocate for the patient, Erin added a new perspective here. So they're there to support the patients, but they're also there to support us as providers. They're a huge asset to making change in the workplace as well and making sure that the workflows and or how things are done in the office are very patient-centered. For example, in our community, we've had a hard time getting timely ECGs. And so one of the MOAs, she's actually the lead MOA, and she did some research and found that we could purchase our own ECG machine. And she brought this forward and brought it to the team, and we were able to then provide these ECGs for our patients in a timely manner. So this support of clinic function and keeping the patient centered is so important. And we always come back to it ourselves. The MOA is often closest to that patient centered perspective from a personal perspective and knows more maybe about people's lives outside of the medical encounter. Coming back to my own experience in our team, the MOAs are often seeing patients who come in and access a whole range of different services without appointments for many things. And they see people, some of them multiple times a week. And it might just be a hello or just, just an observation. But they start to understand the ebbs and flows of people's life and how it may connect in with our clinic in different ways. So MOAs have a very unique and important view into people's lives. And it's not just in community health centers that this kind of role is seen. Spence Newell is an RN with an urgent primary care center. Our team leads and our MOAs as well, they're wonderful about completing taxi vouchers and arranging for taxis for patients who come in and, you know, they don't have a way back home or anything like that, or we want to get them to the hospital, but they might not need an ambulance, but they're not going to go because they can't afford anything to get there. So those little things, they're things that you really take for granted until you need it. And then you go, oh my gosh, I'm so happy that person knows how to do that and have that information readily available. He's right. Sometimes the administrative side of care does get overlooked or taken for granted. Our MOA team saves lives. I think that's the thing about each role of each team member. Like the recall for someone's PAP, if there's a list, cervical cancer screening. Without that, we would have missed a cervical cancer or their hypertension care, the chronic disease management. Without the MOAs helping us going through the list of our EMRs or recalling people. And so those are the things that MOAs do life-saving work, full stop. Kelvin is an NP working in a different CHC, and he's totally right. Every role in the primary care team is working to support patient-centered care, and this does save lives. So if a new MOA is joining a team, what can you do? This is a question that we asked the medical office assistants that we talked to, and we heard a number of recommendations. I would say don't underestimate the role and the importance of a really good MOA as part of a team. And don't underestimate the value of having them in the room when you're making decisions and brainstorming because MOAs are the front line and that it's so valuable for MOAs to have a good understanding of the scope and the role of other team members because they are the ones 
speaking directly with patients. They're the ones who can help with patient education about different resources and team members and roles. So thinking about it as MOAs are glue, our first call to action is really creating opportunities to engage the MOAs in team building, planning, decision making related to how the team works together. And I think the next call to action has to do with recognition. Recognize the connector role that MOAs can play in a team and create processes that specifically utilize this role. And the final suggestion I think is something that's more generalizable across the whole team. And it's key to creating any high-functioning team, which is creating the opportunities for teams to work together on how they want to work together. And if you've been part of Team Up and you've listened to us before, you know we say that. Take the time to sit down and get to know each other and plan things out together. Definitely don't just assume that you know each other's scope and that you know how you're going to work together. And what that does is really build the team trust that's just essential for good team communication and functioning. If something's bothering you, let's communicate it. If there's something that needs to be done differently, let's write it down and bring it up on the next team huddle. There's always room for improvement. I think in order for things to work well, like in life in general, you have to have a good team and you have to communicate. So to kind of recap, when you're thinking about how MOAs support team-based care and what you can do in a team to really utilize their skills, here are three things to think about. Number one, engage MOAs in planning and decision-making in a team. Create and promote processes that build the MOA's position as that connector for both patients and team members. And then lastly, as always, create opportunities for teams to work together on how they want to work together. Thanks for listening to this episode of Team Up. Over this season, we'll be diving in a bit to all the different roles in primary care teams. And if you have suggestions, we'd love to hear from you. Reach out to isu at familymed.ubc.ca and let us know what you think of the podcast. And if you have any ideas for future episodes. Thanks so much and tune in next week. Mm -hmm.